I really love this conversation, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to DM she and Julie her first tweet, and we're going to get into it. You know the drill. Strap in, because here we go. Okay. 34 and still can't turn on the garbage disposal without imagining my hand getting sucked in and butchered into a stump. When do I become a real adult? And that got 36 replies, 9 retweets, and 297 likes. Have you reached a point where you feel like you've become an adult? Because I don't feel that I have. No, and I think I think that's a good thing. I think a healthy fear of the garbage disposal or monsters under the bed <laughs> keeps us young and alive. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that all of us probably spend all of our lives waiting to feel like an adult, like there's going to be that one moment that will magically transform us into all-knowing, responsible, capable people. Do you feel the same thing goes for being a writer? Were you ever waiting for a magical click where you're like, okay, now I'm officially a writer? Oh, absolutely. I, I thought that would happen when I got a book deal. I thought that would happen when my book came out and it just hasn't happened. That feeling of being an imposter, of questioning yourself, right. that it's always with me and it's with me, especially at the start of any new book. But I think, and I hope that that feeling and that doubt keeps our work product good and it keeps us continuing to challenge ourselves. I mean, do you consider that sense of imposter syndrome as an asset of sorts? Absolutely. Especially as a lawyer, you're always having to think about what the other side would say and what critique they would present. It's equipped me really well in the courtroom, but yes, in editing and reading my own writing, I'm able to delete things without compunction. I'm able to see things with a distance and with that critical reasoning. I think it's really my superpower, if anything. This afternoon, I am speaking to the teachers of my former elementary school, PS124. I had previously asked if my favorite teacher was still on staff. I just got this email from the principal, and the email says, Hi, Chan Julie, just connecting you with, I blacked out the name, who was your third grade teacher? Alice, Principal Young Wing Elementary, PS124. And that got four retweets and 201 likes. Good teachers are so special. They can really change the path of your life and your academic experience. Yep. I moved to New York at age seven. So in second grade, my school was in Chinatown, Manhattan, um, because there were very few schools back then that had Chinese speaking teachers on staff. And obviously, I didn't speak any English upon arrival. Right. By third grade, I was a little bit more adept at English and fairly mm-hmm. fluent, I would say. Um, but I was still pulling myself to learn as many English words as possible, particularly because I was undocumented. It was really important to me to speak English like a true American, so no one would be suspicious. That would be like the ultimate defense, ultimate armor. Yep. Even into third grade, certainly in second grade, I, I just I found the public library and I just was mm-hmm. reading all of the time, reading even books far too advanced for me just to learn more words. And my third grade teacher, Miss Poon, she saw that. And one day after class, she pulled me up and she presented me with my very own English book. So I had no books 
to my possession. I only had library books. Right. My parents and I were very poor. We lived on $20 a week for food. Wow. There was just no discretionary spending. So she gave me my own volume and I looked at it and it was Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. And mm. she explained that she completely knew what I was going through because she moved from China to New York at a similar age. And all she could preoccupy herself with was learning English as perfectly as possible. And like, I, I didn't know that she was an immigrant. So for her to tell me that gave me so much hope. Right. And she said that that book in particular, Charlotte's Web, oh. made her feel less lonely and gave her a lot of hope about the future because it's all about friendship and mm. standing up for each other. I still have that book. I have moved 21 times in my life, but no matter where I am living, I know exactly where in my apartment wow. that book is. Just being seen by her like that, I mean, but also a kid who who has to kind of be invisible, but also still longs for that that human need to be recognized. It, it changed my life. Oh, wow. That's really hitting me in the heart. Yeah. And I connected with her after this tweet and this email, and it is shocking how much she kept from me. I mean, I sent her, I gave her a card or a letter just about every other day of like yeah. jokes and drawings just because I loved her so much. And she sent me a photo of all of my letters and cards that she still has nearly 30 years later. Oh my gosh. Of all the students, she said, I knew that you were special. I thought it was important to keep these for you and I hope we can meet up so I can I can give them back to you and you can treasure them. Wow. Would you, would you be interested at all in reading like a little bit of her letter to you? I mean, this is just incredible to me. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Hello, Chen. I am so excited to connect with you after all these years. First of all, big congratulations on being an author. You were such a special student that I still have in my memories, the little girl with the pigtails in my classroom who wrote beautiful stories in Chinese. Even at that time, I knew, were, I knew you were one special girl and that you were going to be very successful in life. So proud of the awesome person you have become. Smiley face. To go from a little girl who didn't speak English to graduating from Yale Law School, that's some journey that you experienced. There must be... There must have been lots of tears and sweat through those years. I would love to hear about your journey. Thanks for sharing the copy of Charlotte's Web. I am so touched that you kept it after all these years. I shared your pictures with my 16-year-old daughter, and she's amazed that her mom's student kept something for so long. Another happy <laughs> face. A teacher's greatest satisfaction is that we make a difference in our students' lives and knowing that makes me feel so humble. Ugh, I'm tearing up as I'm reading it. Me too, just hearing it. Were you able to meet up already or? We're gonna set something up. I'm really excited. More Twitterverse after the break. Welcome back to Twitterverse. I'm going to DM another tweet. 
Yeah, got it. My parents are both water tigers. They turned 60 this year, and this is the first water tiger year since they were born in 1962. Chinese superstition says that can be bad luck, but this fire rabbit sees only brightness ahead in 2022 for her pair of intrepid tigers. I got 226 likes. Tell me a little bit, just like like who your folks are. I mean, I think I have a little bit of a sense from your tweets following them over the years, but I'd love to hear more about your, your father and your mother. Yeah, my dad was an English literature professor in China. My mother was a math professor in China. My mother was actually on the very forefront of developing computer science technology wow. in the early 90s. And one of my first memories of her is she must have brought me to work in a stroller or something. And she Uh was sitting in front of a giant black screen that's about the size of half of a room. And she's typing code in, in black font on a keyboard. That's, that's my, one of my first memories of my mother just at work developing this unknown thing. And uh, then in 94, my mother and I moved to New York. My father had been born to a dissident family. His second oldest brother had written something during the Cultural Revolution criticizing Chairman Mao. And my Mm -hmm. father's family had been known as dissidents for long time before then. So the government kind of had its eyes on the family and very shortly after his brother wrote that piece and distributed it publicly, his brother was thrown into prison and tortured and starved. His brother was only 18 at the time and my father was only six. Oh, I'm so sorry. From then on, it was extremely difficult. Grandparents were dragged out to the town square for public humiliation and criticism and beatings. Red guards would come to the house all the time. The only things that became truly sacred to my father was my uncle's collection of banned books from America and from England that my father hid under the floorboards and moved around between raids to make sure that nobody ever got to them. Late at night, he would pull them out and under the candlelight read them to comfort himself. So when my father became a professor against a lot of efforts, he realized that there were still things that he could not teach his students that were really important to discuss with regard to Western literature. And he became determined then, and I'm sure at many points of his childhood to leave China. And it was very much in pursuit of America as much as it was to leave China, because to his mind, as he grew up, America became a symbol of freedom and liberty and the ability to criticize the government in a way that he had not seen in his homeland. He was determined to embark on this for for me as much as for himself, right? So I might have a future of writing and criticizing right. loudly. Right. My mother was was less enamored with this dream, but was loyal to her family first and foremost. So she gave up her whole burgeoning career to to follow oh. him and to unite us. And from there, they worked at sweatshops, laundromats, sushi processing plants, some really difficult physical labor because of our undocumented status and and because of the language barrier and a lot of systemic problems. So I grew up seeing all of this and Mm -hmm. it convinced me early that I (laughs) was not to take a single second of my life for granted, that this was something worth sacrificing for, this land, this life, was something that my father believed was worth giving up 
his whole life for, and that I too had to fight for it. For my parents, they just said it's it's all temporary. We'll make it out. We'll we'll find our way back again. This is just a stepping stone. Yeah. And that mentality, when when I am at my lowest and I I feel beaten down, like and very close to giving up, that mentality sees me through. I questioned whether I was dreaming in 2016 when President Obama called me fellow American on video during my naturalization. Now I'm questioning it again. My book criticizes his administration in its first pages. Thank you, Mr. President, for inspiring faith in our democracy. And it is a quote retweet of President Obama's tweet of his annual list of favorite books. And my book, Beautiful Country, is on that list. And that got 46 retweets and 523 likes. For anyone who has not been to a naturalization ceremony, I highly commend to you attending one. It is, I would say, the most diverse cross-section of American society. You go there and you see people in all shades and they're almost always there with a family. And they're all dressed up in their fanciest clothing, in suits and dresses and with flowers and jewelry. And there is just, first of all, not a dry eye in the house, but also you can't find a single person that's not smiling. It is the happiest place in America. And I go in and I see all of these happy, joyous families from all corners of the earth together in one room. Right. And it is so incredibly moving. And then the judge greets us and pulls down the screen at the front of the room. And this video of President Obama comes on and he says, hello, fellow Americans. And I don't even hear the rest of what he says right? because I'm stuck at the word fellow Americans. Yeah, I just start bawling mm. and ugly sobbing. Mm. And it is in the safety of those words from the president of the United States that I was able to finally acknowledge to myself how badly I had wanted this for so much of my life and how I just did not feel like it would ever come to fruition. It was in that room that I realized that what I was receiving that day was a profound privilege, a privilege that so many millions of undocumented Americans out there might never see. With that privilege came a duty for me. It was my duty to shed light on the humanity and the hope and the patriotism of what it means to be undocumented, to choose to live in America under such rejection and hardship and impoverishment, but still choose America every day that you wake up. It it requires so much love for this country that I think people do not understand or see. And so that was when I decided to start writing my book. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted my book to be as honest as as possible. So what I'm referencing in this tweet is that when I was working on one of the high appellate courts, the federal courts during the Obama administration, we saw so many appeals from deportations of people who arrived here at age two, age three, 
related to nonviolent crimes, just possession of marijuana or the like. And I talk about that in the opening to my book. Yeah. Because I do think to love America is to be able to freely criticize it. That's That was my father's biggest dream for me and for this country. I'm always out there on the timeline, and it's always like a joy to see what's going on with you in your life. And and I just really thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the show. It means the world. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say, Gabe, on, on my behalf, on the behalf of so many emerging writers, thank you for all you do for the community, for your support and mentorship. It just really means the world. Was that not incredible? I continue to be stunned by Shan Julian, the force and depth of her feeling and her perspective on life. Inspiring doesn't even begin to do it justice. Anyway, so she and Julie recommended that you follow two handles on Twitter. The first is at Angry Asian Man, a gentleman named Phil Yu. He tweets a lot about systemic issues, but also a lot of great jokes. Also shares hate mail that he receives. The second handle that she recommended is Pavlog the Corgi, at P-A-V-G-O-D. And it's exclusively Corgi memes, and she says it breaks up the doom scrolling. And also, you should go follow Julie. At Shin Julie Wang, Q I A N J U L I E W A N G. Also, I want to mention since we recorded this interview, Shin Julie and her husband bought a house in Brooklyn, and Shin Julie posted about it on Instagram on October 17th with a picture of her and her husband smiling and a picture of her as a little girl. So I'm going to go ahead and read that to you because I think it serves as an amazing coda to this episode. She and Julie on Instagram writes, presenting the deliriously happy owners of a whole entire detached Victorian house in Brooklyn. We somehow made it through the hottest Brooklyn housing market on record. Most of the time, we did not dare to think this day would ever arrive. It's hard to believe that 27 years ago, seven-year-old me moved into a tenement-style apartment just a few blocks away where we shared a single bathroom and kitchen with several immigrants families. I would move a total of 21 times in the years to come, each time dreaming of unpacking my bags in my forever home. And now it's here with more space than I've ever been able to dream of and more than I know what to do with. Four private bathrooms all to ourselves. I still can't get over it. We are so excited to start renovations and to keep you updated as it goes. More photos in the years to come. And finally, deepest love to you, Brooklyn, my old dear friend. I've always been with you for life, but I'm thrilled to say that I'm finally home. So you should go follow Jan Julie on Instagram as well. And while you're online, come say hi on Twitter, at Gabe Hudson. Don't be the main character on the timeline. Keep those tweets 100. <laughs>